ladies was shaking, fellas was popping. Welcome back to the 700 Block Podcast. I am your host, Flaw 700. Back on the block, and I brought a special guest with me. Matter of fact, we still quarantining. I got her on the phone. Ladies and matter of fact, introduce yourself, please. Ladies and gentlemen, hello. How are you? My name is Cass, and I am here with Flaw to talk about something very important today. That is life transitioning. Yeah, definitely something different. When you told me about this, I said, oh, man, we got to talk about this. Because um, I remember you asked me, and I'm <laughs> you stumped me. Like, I can't remember the actual question you asked me. But um, do you remember what you actually asked me? I think I asked you if you had your, your legacy project yeah. ready. Never been asked that, never thought about it. I'm too busy not saying that what you got going on isn't you know the right thing to do because i definitely agree with what you're doing but i've just been focused on trying to you know break uh, generational curses and you know i mean just trying to do something while i'm here like i don't Mm -hmm. i'm not ready to go yet because i've said this before on other podcasts if i die today i leave my kids with nothing you know so right but i think people need to stop thinking of it as um not being ready to go yet i know a lot of times people associate death with fear. So I think for this podcast, we for the rest of the conversation, instead of saying death, let's use the word transition. Transition. Because you have to take the fear out of the word. So a lot of people you're you're they're okay with using the word transition. Yeah. Versus having to be um, faced with their own mortality or, or death. And everyone always looks at death being this horrible thing, but death is not the awful thing. Being forgotten is Mm-hmm. So you talk about um, breaking generational curses as African-Americans. Um, one of the generational curses we have is leaving our our generation unprepared. We focus so much on the material aspects of things um, that there's other aspects that we are just not preparing our children, our mothers, our fathers, our sisters, our brothers for and that's the healing portion of it. So the business that I have is called End of Life and Beyond. You can find us on endoflifeandbeyond.com or on Facebook at End of Life and Beyond. Or um, I believe my Facebook handle is Healing Past the Hurt. And one of the things that we teach is that you can leave your family money. Mm-hmm. You can leave your family property. You cannot leave your family you. So there are certain things that you should do to make sure that your family is prepared um, financially, emotionally, and, and physically, mentally, for you to be gone. So we prepare, transform, and heal. Okay. So how did, you, how did this come about? How did you get into this? Well, I have been faced... Um, with death my entire life. And, and this, this interview is probably going to get a little in-depth and freaky, but hey, <laughs> that that's what this is. So I will admit that I have probably, I have heard voices since I was a child. I have seen spirits. I know about energy. Um, everyone talks about their negative aspects of transitioning, but they forget that as a human, we are we are but energy. And energy cannot die. That has been scientifically proven. Energy transfers. Mm -hmm. So some people 
they are able to see, um, they are able to see spirits. They are able to sense energy. They are able to feel. Um, I am an empath. I can see energy. I can feel energy. I can hear energy. So, I think that my my first encounter with death or transitioning would have been my grandfather. Mm-hmm. So I would have been the age of around six or seven, and I knew that my grandfather passed before my mother knew that my grandfather passed. We had just came from Panama. I am Panamanian as well as other things. We had just came from Panama and um, my mother didn't even know my grandfather was sick. My grandfather came to me to um, make apologies to my mother before he left the earth. So as he was passing, he came to me and then my mother found out about it. When I was about, um, I want to say nine or 10, I had a situation where I was caught in the middle of a drive-by and my cousin dove in front of me to stop me from dying. Mm. Um, And he ended up dying in my arms. When he passed away, I ended, um, I was in the hospital. I saw him leave while his body was still um, in the bed. So, and then there was other things that occurred or happened when I was growing up, but that's pretty much, I have had an intimate relationship with death for a very long time. It wasn't until probably a couple years ago that I realized that not everyone has this intimate relationship with transitioning and not everyone knows. So for instance, when my father passed, I remember, you know, everyone is so used to you go to the funeral home and then you have a lot of family members arguing and whether they're arguing over what's going to happen to the body. How is the funeral going to be? Where's the money going to go? Who's what's going to be on the tombstone? Exactly where in the cemetery plot is the person going to be? There's all these different arguing arguments. And I'm looking around at my brothers and my sisters and everyone just looks so sad and defeated. And I realized that we were willfully unprepared. There was no will. There was no trust. There was no financial power of attorney. There was no children's inheritance as far as the documentation. The only thing my father did was make sure that I was set up. But I have six other siblings that he left nothing to. (laughs) I have 11 siblings, but six by him. So, um, and then most recently I had an encounter um, with my mother-in-law. She passed away and... I think that's when I really, I realized that this was my calling and I wanted to make sure that everyone was prepared and that they knew what the healing looked like on the, the, the backside of it. So where, for instance, for myself, I have recordings of myself reading. My favorite book is um, Shel Silverstein as far as reading to my children. My mm-hmm. favorite book is Shel Silverstein, Where the Sidewalk Ends. So I have recorded myself reading some of their poems some of his poems for my children. So when I pass, that is a part of my legacy that will be with them. They'll always have my voice. They'll always have those stories or those memories. And then I've recorded certain things of just telling them it's going to be okay. It's all right to let me go. I'm still with you, even though you cannot see me. Things that they may want to hear. Right. Right? It's kind of like um, on movies or TV where you see um, uh, a husband who lost a wife or anybody mm-hmm. and they go to their cell phone and they continue to play that voicemail message or something like that 
you know. They- or even more recently, um, if you want to talk about Kobe Bryant, or if you let's talk about him for a second, yeah. he left a a letter or a card for his wife, yeah. Vanessa, and recently, I believe it was yesterday, she went on to her Twitter or her Instagram and she showed a piece of it and said that she kept it so she can open up one last letter from her love on her birthday. Mm. Those are the things. Those are the the instruments of healing that you can leave behind for your family members. Right, right. See, I had um, read it wrong. I skimmed um, by it. I thought that he wrote the letter, but purposely had it like delivered. Like it was already in motion for her to get it on her birthday, mm-hmm. but she just saved it mm-hmm. for her birthday. So, you know, that's still, it, huh? Well, no, he had it given to her after he passed away, but she chose not to, um, she chose not to open it until her birthday. How did she it, get it? it? No, he gave it to her. So it was in his estate. So after when he passed away, it was one of those things that were given to her. But she just chose not to open it to her birthday so wait, until her birthday. This was so basically you're saying it's like what Kobe Bryant did where he said, once I transition, you'll get this. Right. Oh, wow. So he so he was. OK. OK. And I actually have one of my clients. Um, her husband set it up where she receives flowers on Valentine's Day every year. That's your question. Do, would you yeah. have that patience? Like knowing that, okay, my birthday is in, okay, they, they're untimely, the, un, uh, the passing happened, I think, in February, I think, I think mm-hmm. like February, so it's, it's May now. Would you have that patience of two months to wait, or would you have been like, I need all of it now? Because I don't know if I would have been patient <laughs> enough to wait. I think I would have been patient enough to wait. It depends. So um, some of the things that we work on is, is timing. And there are certain things that you can do to make sure that if you know that your mate is not patient, so if you were my mate and I knew that you weren't patient, I would make sure that you did not receive everything at once. I would make sure mm. that it was that it was um, scheduled out ahead of time. Yeah, don't tell me you got a surprise, and then don't tell me what. Like I need to know. <laughs> oh, by the way, you like surprises. Well, I'm ready to be surprised now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's me. Surprise me now surprise you then it's not a surprise you gift you now however you want to word it <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna school me right on this episode i already know you're gonna correct me on a lot of things all i think i know is if you tell me you got a surprise for me i want it now because for me here's my thing right if you tell me you have something for me my mind will try to figure it out and by the time I didn't thought about everything, even though it's the thought that counts, by the time I get you a gift, it's nowhere near what I thought of, if that makes sense. Because I've thought of everything for some reason. So you've hyped yourself up for disappointment. I can't help that. I'm, I'm a, I'm a, oh, you can. We have so many meditations for you. Listen, <laughs> I listen. And it's hard for me. Listen, I am a thinker. And I'll try to mm-hmm. meditate. And it's hard to meditate. Everything that I do, my thinking throws me off. Like when I work out mm-hmm. and I have to do a high rep of like 20 or 30, mm-hmm. I'll tap out in my mind. And I have mm-hmm. to force myself to keep going because it's like, oh, this is boring. Well, what forms of meditations are you using? So I, if you have an actively an, an active mind or a highly active mind, then you, you need a mantra meditation. 
What is that? You need some a mantra meditation is where you you excuse me you find a a saying. So with you, let's just say, um, I am love, and I'm only I'm only saying that because. With a mantra, you say a portion of your mantra on your inhale and a portion of your mantra on your exhale. So as you inhaled, you would say, I am, in your mind. And as you exhale, you would say love. You do that so you can give your mind something to visually attach to. Right. That's to what I need. I need, I need a distraction because if it's idle, mm-hmm. my mind will it'll grow like vines out the ground and tree and it'll just start wrapping and it'll start attacking and then you lose mm-hmm. focus and you just like sometimes like like it even back to working out i'll lose my count because you know my mind just went somewhere so that is a good idea that i can do um have something to actually trick my mind so yeah if you got a surprise <laughs> for me i want it and i want it now so uh, i'll make sure i never have surprises yeah oh yeah <laughs> um, with um we always digress well here's my thing right when it comes to uh transitioning right Mm -hmm. do you believe that there is a like a date like it's written that this is going to happen then yes see me uh, see me i believe so as well and it just started with the converse like because i went to a few funerals and I, i actually couldn't understand why the preacher man would say the things he would say you know, the first funeral mm-hmm. I went to, what turned me off about it was he said that God called him home. And I'm just like, well, why, why would you do it that way? You know, he was shot. He was, he was, he, he was murdered in a bar. And it's mm-hmm. like, why would you, why would he do it that way? So it left me confused, right? Mm-hmm. But then I said to myself, you know, the transition hurts either way. It wouldn't, it probably mm-hmm. wouldn't have mattered how he left. He was still young. Family still would have mourned. We still would have missed them. So it's the fact that I think we put too much energy into how and just understanding, hey, this was the time. Mm-hmm. What do you think of that? I think you're absolutely right. I think that people put way too much energy into the how. I know that um, it, the how and how people die can hurt. And it's not... Loved ones don't only pass peacefully in the night. For many, it can be sudden. For others, it's a process. And it's and when I say that is, you might have one person that is in pain and and that goes through the process of transitioning for a year or two years. Hell, I know one woman who um, she actually has an unidentifiable the word <laughs> unidentifiable form of cancer. All of the scientists that we had, they had no idea what kind of cancer this is, only that she has cancer. And she's on so many medications, so much morphine, but she's been alive and she's, um, she was in the armed forces, but she's been alive for quite some time, but they don't know when it, when she's going to go. And it's, if you focus on the the how when why what who you're just going to give yourself way too much yeah. too many complications so the best thing that you can do and that, that a lot of that has to do with people wanting to control things and having control over things once you 
prepare for it. You were able to release the control and then allow yourself to transition as peacefully as possible. Because at this point, all you're worried about is the actual process. Right, because you... But it's the same thing. Go ahead, I'm sorry. Well, no, yeah, because I was going to say, you can hear people say, why did they have to go like that? Well, be honest with yourself. What way... Like, they, there might be easier ways, Like, but, but like you said, like five minutes ago, how many of us go peacefully into the night? You know, mm-hmm. he or she passed in their sleep, you know, he or whatever, you know? So, well, huh? It's good that you mention that because we are having a life transition, a, a free preparation course. And on our day one, the first thing that we talk about is, what does your good death look like? Or what does a good death to you look like? Okay, Paul. And a lot of people, go ahead. This life transition free work, uh, free preparation workshop starts uh, May 11th, right? And it's from May 11th yeah. to the 15th. Yeah. Um, so so is, is this on the website or like how are? It's actually going to be on Facebook. Okay. You have to join um, the Facebook group to attend. Okay. Um, the first four days, as long as you participate in the first four days, there will be homework. There's a workbook that you have to fill out. Then you receive a bonus training on Friday, and that is a Zoom, um, a webinar that I'm doing on Zoom for everyone that has participated for the full four days. Okay, so uh, my bad for cutting you off. Tell us about Monday. Just go through the days. No, no, no. <laughs> so Monday um, is what does your good death look like? And we say that because a good death is different for everyone else. Believe it or not, some people say, I, I want to go in my Say that again? Some people, some people say, I want to go in my sleep. Okay. Some people say, I want to go out guns blazing. And I've actually heard this. I want to go out guns blazing. You think they Scarface? <laughs> You'd be surprised. <laughs> <laughs> some people might say I want to go out while I'm fishing or I want to um, I want to go what did one, I think the weirdest thing I've heard was someone actually wished to go out on a plane a plane? They want, they did, a plane they wanted oh, the plane, plane to go down a, no plane they wanted the plane to go down they wow. didn't want they just wanted it to be instant and I but you know that's not guaranteed instant though right you could it's it's not, but to some people, I, some people believe they. You the more you talk to people about transitioning, it, they're dead set on what their belief is or first how off, the process. First mm-hmm. off, you'll have that dive. That's that's heart wrenching in itself. Like you're going down fast. Like it's not sudden. You got to go through <laughs> the dive. I like and I I just visualize that dive taking a whole lot out of you, scaring the shit out of you. And then, well, I am not here to judge. Okay. <laughs> I am here to <laughs> prepare, transform, and heal. I'm here to prepare you and make sure that you have all of the documentation that you need, sit by you while you transition, mm-hmm. and then as- assist your family in healing after you are gone. So whatever Now, you whether say. that means, <laughs> yes. And I have um, clients who are... Um, who study the Jewish faith, who study Christianity, who are Muslim, who across the board. Mm-hmm. So that's a lot of times. So in, instead of using the word God, I may say you you hear me say source, or you'll hear me say um, higher energies things, just so I can be respectful. 
but everyone's good death looks different right. and you, you you can't judge upon how someone sees themselves you just have to make sure that no matter what they're prepared for it um our day two which is would be on tuesday we handle getting comfortable with your mortality understanding that the same way you were born is the same way that you will you will pass Mm-hmm. And I say that, and a lot of people don't like to hear it, but you came out of this world, you came into this world by yourself, you're leaving this world by yourself. Now, all I mean by that is I can sit next to you and I can hold your hand and I can be with you while a lot of people um, receive visitors on their, their last couple of moments. They may, um, like, you'll, you'll smell certain things when people come to visit. What I mean by that is um, I had a woman and she all of a sudden I could smell fried chicken. And what she was explaining to me is while she was passing, what she saw was she was in a kitchen um, and her husband who had passed previously, he was frying chicken. That's how she knew that it was okay for her to let go. Okay. Um, but it's just getting comfortable with speaking about your own mortality and understanding um what you want and what to plan, what you want while you are alert and well versus waiting until the very last moment to plan your, your transition. Now, you know what I think some people may, may have thought about and even myself, like, because I, I'm definitely feeling where you're going with this, but I can see where people might've thought that that's not the thing to do because mm-hmm. rappers like Biggie and Tupac, we are, we're familiar with them, where they had mm-hmm. a lot of death in their records and they said they spoke it into existence. Um, so what do you say to the people who think that, you know, by speaking on it, by planning it, you're speaking it into existence, morning, like you're, you're calling it on? Well, what I explain to people is, would you rather speak it into existence and not be prepared for it or whether you speak it into existence and be prepared for it? Because whether you like it or not, it's going to happen. Right. No one can cheat death. Once once it's your time, it's your time. And unfortunately, we don't know when that clock is going to stop. So it's your best interest to talk about it now so you don't have to talk about it later. Right. Okay, uh, session two. <laughs> session two, we will talk about um, cemeteries, eco-friendly burials, and living funerals. And that's, honestly, this is one of my favorite favorites. Um, living funerals is pretty much having a funeral while you're alive. It's exactly what it sounds like. And But I like that because it allows you to clear the air or set the stage for clearing the air and as well as hearing what other people um, want you to hear in the event of your passing. So whether while you will not be there for your actual funeral, you can be there with, for a living funeral. Um, another thing that we discussed when I said eco-friendly burials, a lot of people don't know that you can your ashes can be turned into a diamond or a precious gemstone. You can be turned into a tree. And when I mean that, what I mean by that is any tree you want to. You could be an apple tree and feed your family for the rest of your transitioned or apple life. You can be an orange tree. You can be grapes. You can be a, uh, an oak. There's tons of other things that you, you can be versus a tombstone in a grave. Right. That's not for everyone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, on day three, we'll be talking about bridging that gap between what may occur and what you want to occur. 
Um, so that's a lot that talks about um, nursing homes and hospice and people like me, end-of-life doulas. And that's important because there was a study done, and it says 80% of people want to die at home. But only, I believe it's some like 9% of people do, and I can get you the actual numbers. Um, If you plan ahead, the odds of you actually getting the good death that you want skyrocket. And people, so a lot of people, what I realize is they, they have a will, but their doctors don't know that they have a will. Their lawyers don't know that they have a will. They keep their will in a a desk drawer somewhere where no one else knows where it is. And that's not how you make sure that what you want to occur actually occurs. Mm. So it's it's in best practice to make sure that your will is always updated and that your lawyer or financial planner or your doctor and all of your doctors have a copy of this. So for instance, if... Carol Baskin's husband had had his will (laughs) (laughs) with his doctor or his lawyer versus in that trailer, then we might know exactly why Carol Baskin did what she did. Or didn't. I was about to say she did it. I was about to say, did she do it? Or didn't. But we, we may have a little bit more information. And, and honestly, unfortunately, this is something that's very serious and a lot of people need to make sure that they have their wills in a place where more than themselves or anyone other than themselves knows where it is. Mm. And by that, I mean a legal authority or someone that can actually present it and it, and it be accepted by a judge. Right. And the bonus day um, is where my actual, this is where my specialty is in legacy projects. Wait a minute, wait, 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 wait. But I want to um, elaborate a little bit on the uh, Carol Baskin situation and that situation where they were married and the will was in the trailer. I didn't finish mm-hmm. the series, so I'm just going off what, what you're saying. You so, didn't, what? I, did, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, listen, I got distracted. <laughs> so, um,. The will was in the trailer, which Carol Baskins mm-hmm. knew, right? Right. So the when, will was in the trailer. So when, but she didn't have access to the trailer. She contacted um, the maintenance man to open up the gate so she can get into the trailer. When the assignee or signor, um, the actual the person that was supposed to be taking care of the will and everything underneath it. Um, his secretary came, the police could not stop Carol because she was the wife of taking the only copy of the will that they had. Right. So here's what I'm saying. Cause I hear you have to like, even if you're married, happily married, you might need to pull a Kung Fu trick even on your spouse <laughs> because you know, for things like this, that happens like, okay, yeah, I have one here. So is it okay to have two of the same or Yes, keep? but that's okay. exactly what you want. You want two of the exact you want two or three of the exact same wills given to um two or three people in a position of power over you. So in other words, your your medical doctor. So if his doctor had a copy of the original will, which would be dated, um and, and signed of course. She, Carol Baskin, would have had to prove legally 
that the will that she had was the new will. The reason why she, if he had it with his doctor and his lawyer and Carol would have came with the copy that she had, um, and it did not match the copy that the medical doctor and the lawyer had, they would have accepted the medical doctor and the lawyers versus hers. Is there a reason why they accept the medical doctor and the lawyer over the wife? Because that would have been given by him. So there would have been proof that he himself served the paperwork to his lawyer and his doctor. Okay. So we're saying if the doctor and lawyer had an updated version. Mm-hmm. Okay. So let me ask you this, 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 this question here. He passes out three of the same wills, three of the mm-hmm. same, identical. The wife wins automatically because she's the wife. If they're all, three it depends same. on it depends on what's in the will. Okay. So if the will that they have said that she received nothing, then she's receiving nothing. If the will that the doctors have and the lawyers have says that she received nothing, but the will that she has says that she receives everything. Now we have grounds for her to be arrested. Mm. So the moral of this story is, because I never thought of it this way. Like I, I, I'm here, I'm sitting here thinking before this conversation. Because like I say, I'm learning a lot from this podcast myself. I know the listeners is going to learn something too. You would think though that you could just leave your will, you know, to your wife or to your husband, and everything is peachy. You still have to, you know, what I mean, leave it to the lawyer, to the doctor. Um, mm-hmm. You know, depend- put one in a safety deposit box with yeah. your bank. And you can even give an, your actual bank a copy for them to keep on file. See, the crazy thing that I, I guess what I'm getting to is it sounds sneaky. So it'd be like, why would you do that? But a in this in this uh, position, you have to do that. That's where I'm getting at. Like it sounds sneaky that you're doing this behind your spouse's back, but this is what you no. have to do. Yes. So this is something, whether, regardless if you are married or not, this is what I suggest or, or to all of my clients. And it's only, so all of this is done on a precautionary basis, right? Mm-hmm. So you do this, so just in case your lawyer passes out, once again, we don't know what's going on. Just in case, um, or let's just say that knock on wood, the lawyer's office burns down or something of that nature. Yeah. Excuse me. You want to make sure that there are multiple copies, especially if you have the more assets you have, the more you want to make sure there's multiple copies. And if you update one copy, you have to update all copies. Mm. Okay. Okay. Me personally, I'm already, I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to give either the doctor or the lawyer, the most recent one, the most updated one. And I'll pass out some um, bogus duplicates. But I'll make sure, <laughs> like, yeah, like, so, boom. As soon as, did you watch the season finale of Power? The series finale? I haven't watched one episode of Power. Okay, so basically. I have never seen it. Okay, so basically, <laughs> it's about a guy named James St. Patrick, a.k.a. Ghost. I'm pretty sure you know that much. Yes, but I know that much. He dies, he's murdered, and his wife and his son and uh, his mother-in-law are sitting at the table, and they're waiting to receive what they think is theirs. They don't mm-hmm. know what's in the will. Like the son mm-hmm. who actually murdered the dad thought that he was going to get all of this good stuff. But in the will, it said that the son had to graduate college with a certain GPA. Mm-hmm. He didn't know that. He thought he was about to get rich immediately. So mm-hmm. I'm on that type of time. 
Like, y'all don't know what's going on in my will. <laughs> y'all not going to know. Mm-hmm. Y'all will get the news when the lawyer or the doctor delivers it to you. I like that. Mm-hmm. Now, <laughs> I had cut you off. I took you to a whole other direction. You were on day you were on the bonus day. Friday. I was on the bonus day, and it's perfectly fine because it actually. So your your legacy project, you, you pretty much want to leave instructions in your will as to where to find your legacy item. Yeah. So anything you do with your legacy project, you, that information will be in your will, regardless. Um, but your legacy project encompasses your actual legacy, which would be your actual life. And here we have, I, I put it down as leaving more than real estate. And I can say that because, for instance, my father was my best friend. My father died in 1996. Mm-hmm. Okay. I have one tape of him singing The Greatest Love of All by Whitney Houston. <laughs> mm. And I have one video of him roller skating at my nine year old birthday party. Those two things. Are, are precious to me because there's there's the the only the only record of his voice on earth. So when we talk about legacy, you want to leave something not only for your children, but your children's children and their children, generational wealth, where they know who you are and what you have done. Guess what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna save and, all my podcast episodes. Mm-hmm. I just thought of that. That's a great idea. Because be like me having the podcast, listening to you, I'm sitting here thinking, damn, what can I leave them? Duh. Mm-hmm. I'm already, <laughs> I already have, like I'm on YouTube. I have yes. hundreds of audio episodes. My kids mm-hmm. will be able to hear my voice. They'll, hear, they'll be able to hear me talk about them and how much I love them. And, you know, I talk about them You're going to the take it one step further. You're going to take it one step further. And I'm going to tell you why. So you need to leave something just in case, because we, we always want to dot our I's and cross our T's. You're going to leave something for your mother. Mm. You're going to leave something for your siblings. You're going to leave. And they're little personal messages. Because think about this. Once again, tomorrow is not promised. We don't know when that timetable is. And the it's, I believe it's the hardest for parents to lose children versus children losing parents because you never want to outlive your children. You want to make sure that in the event, just in case, knock on wood, your mother is okay or your father is okay. So you need to leave them personalized messages for them to hear, to allow them to take that step forward in healing with the rest of their life. Oh, definitely. I definitely agree with that. So even, and I also tell, um, I, I tell people this all the time. Recipes. There, and people don't even think about this, and I, I don't understand it. But, for instance, my father used to make these, I don't, they were these, these chicken wings. And I, I swear it, it, it's like duck sauce chicken wings or something. I'm not sure what he used to this day. I don't know what he used on these chicken wings. And I've tried <laughs> everything. <laughs> I tried everything. I cannot get it. I cannot get that recipe. I cannot like, and it's something that I want so bad because it was this was my childhood. It just might be that pinch of seasoning. Are you heavy-handed? It could be the simplest thing. 
Like you might just add too much of that stuff, and pops just might have been real smooth, right? With his hands. But it's things like that that you never think about. So whether if I don't if it's you bake a a cake for your your family or you you have if whatever it is that you make for your family that you know that if you leave they don't know how to make it. Don't be stingy. You're gonna you're not gonna be here. You're not giving them the recipe while you're alive. You're giving it to them while you're gone so they have something to re- remember you by. Mm. Because I know some of my aunties they will not like I had to. There's certain certain things I had to find out how to make on my own because that is their secret recipe. They're not telling me. Okay, my auntie makes this with pollo. It's she must put some extra thyme or something in it. But I can't get mine to taste like hers. I'm gonna but when she my, goes, um, I'm gonna leave my pancake uh, recipe because I make the best pancakes in the family. <laughs> <laughs> I am the pancake king, the cornbread yes. king. I do all that, man. So leave them the recipe. Have somebody videotape you making it to coincide with that and leave that to them. Here's the thing. As a semi-chef, you know, just like you and your pops, it's always going to be about how that hand moving. Like, (laughs) how are you whipping it? You got to whip it. If you can't go and whip it, like, I've, depending on what you're using, milk, water, or iron milk, whatever, it's always going to be, because I get it. You know, you exactly. got to add a, a certain amount, like put it in the cup. So I don't mm-hmm. use a cup. That's my thing. That's what I was getting. <laughs> I, I don't use a cup to measure my liquid. I just mm-hmm. know what I know. Exactly. <laughs> my aunt told me the same thing. She, When I go to grab a measuring um, cup, she looks at me like I, <laughs> I've lost my head. Yeah. So for people like that, just videotape them what they're doing. You'll get it. They use words like pinch. Yeah. Dash. Yeah. <laughs> you just know what you know, man. But sometimes, like I said, you could be stiff or heavy-handed and just add a little bit too much by mistake, man. You just, some people, it just is what it is. And, you know, and like you said, with that recipe, with that sauce, it's, it's, Pops probably left something out on purpose. I don't know. People, <laughs> people, people do do that, though. Like, listen, I'm not going to show you everything. <laughs> yeah, you know I mean? and I'm, honestly, I'm to the point where I believe he was putting some type of alcohol or something, some sweet bourbon. Right. Something. <laughs> hey, baby, look over there real quick. So when you turn around, <laughs> goop, 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 and you never saw it. <laughs> and I never saw it. I never saw it. And to this day, I can't get it. But it's those type of things where... I feel like that memory is incomplete. Like that, I have the memory of it, but it's not something that I can share with my kids. I can only tell them how Pop Pop's chicken wings tasted. Yeah. And mm. so, those are the things that really mean something to someone. You want to know something? And, go um, for it. This, like, it's similar, but it's not. There was a song that I, w- I listened to on the radio. And I think the name of the group was called Black Male. Uh, B-L-A-C-K-M-A-L-E. Not the black male of, hey, I, I, I got mm-hmm. something for you. <laughs> and the name of their single, I believe, was called Let's Love Again. I think I was 13, 12, 11, 14. One of them. I don't remember. As a 36-year-old man, I haven't heard that song in so long. And it plays in my mind, but I'll... N- I, I actually believe I'll never hear that song again. So even though it's not your sauce that your dad made that you just can't get and you just like, like, like you can't, you want to taste mm-hmm. it again and it's been so long. There's a mm-hmm. song that randomly plays in my head 
Did I it's think, exactly the same thing. It's 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 exactly the same thing. Same thing. I just can't. And I remember how it goes. And you mm-hmm. thinking like, man, oh, we got YouTube? It's on YouTube. <laughs> nope. No, oh, can't we got find it. Google? I mean, let me mm-hmm. Google these dudes. Nope, it's not on Google. I haven't heard this song in about 20 years, and it drives me crazy when I think about it. And that emotion, that that disappointment, or that, you know how you get to the precipice where you're so happy, and then all of a sudden it just, it's like someone knocked down all the blocks on the table? Yeah. That's the feeling that we're trying to avoid. Mm. It's like saying, you know, you're, you, you're, you're gone and now, or just imagine one day you, you get up, you go to the mailbox and there's a CD or an, or I don't know if they do use CDs anymore, like some type of, of jump drive and you put it in and it's, it's from someone, you know, and it just says you put the, you put it in and all of a sudden the song plays. Mm. And now you have the song. Like you've looked everywhere, you can't find it, and all of a sudden it's there, and you're just in a jubilant joy. Yeah, that's what you want to leave for your family. Now, something similar, but it's not. There was another song that, when I was young, this movie came out in 1991, New Jack City, and there was a of song. Of course, I know New Jack City. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We know. But <laughs> I was young when it came out, and there was a song off that soundtrack, Johnny Gill, "I'm Still Waiting." And mm-hmm. me being young, I just remembered the melody, right? So as I grew up, once again, just growing up, I just I didn't know who who song it was or how it went. I just knew how to hum it. Mm-hmm. And then one day I went to the store where they sold like old um, tapes, um, trader tape, mm-hmm. and I had bought that tape, I think, or a CD. It was a CD, and I found the song and I played it, and I never stopped playing it. I never stopped playing it because. That's how much that song means to me. Now that song came out mm-hmm. in '91, right? Last mm-hmm. year when I got my Kanye. <laughs> last year when I got my Spotify um, songs that you played the most, that was in my top five. Ooh. I'm attached to that record. You understand what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And like once I found it, so if by chance I ever find that other record, it's I, it's going to be, and I got clown for it. Like the fellas was like, "You got Johnny Gill," but they don't understand <laughs> what it means to me. But yeah, think about it. <laughs> Who has Johnny Gill as in their top five on their Spotify playlist for 2019? Me. That's who. You. Yeah. And it's one you. song. And it's one <laughs> song. So. But yeah. things like that, like this whole conversation, that portion of it would be in your legacy project. You would put that song there and explain to your son why. That's powerful. I'm gonna love to hear that 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 conversation though. I would love to hear it. Yeah, that's powerful. So tell them again. Life transition. When is it? How to get there? How to get them? Um, where where they can find this at? Okay, it is a life transition, a free preparation course. It starts May 11th, and you can find us on Facebook at Healing Past the Hurt or End of Life and Beyond, or you can find us on the web at endoflifeandbeyond.com. All right. Now, this portion of the episode, man, I like to get into my block is high, get off the corner segment. And I'm going to give you the floor. So tell the people, tell the listeners, the block is, matter of fact, let's end it off with the block is hot, with a celebration. Let's go with who we kicking off the corner. Talk to me. Who we're kicking off the corner? Yes. You're going to be upset, and there's a lot of your listeners are going to be upset with me. But I'm kicking Michael Jordan off the corner. Tell I'm me tired more. of him. 
Oh, okay. I'm, I'm tired of him. Everyone, I'm I'm that type of person where I don't. I believe a, a great athlete yeah. is you can be um, you can be a great athlete mm-hmm. without being a great person, mm-hmm. without being a people's champion. So, see, Muhammad Ali is a people's champion. Mm-hmm. Joe Lewis, people's champion. LeBron James, people's champion. Michael Jordan kicked off the block. So, um, there was a statement that he made that is making its, its way around again. And the statement was something simple. Um, pretty much he says, Republicans buy shoes too. Yeah. And just that looking at it, it doesn't seem like it's this, this huge statement or something that you shouldn't, you should be upset about. Um, but you should be upset about it. And let me explain to you why. Michael Jordan does nothing for his people. The other day I saw an article um, in Georgia. They, they lifted the stay-at-home mandate. And immediately there, there was a line wrapped around the corner at the sneaker store. Yeah. I mean, they, people just point blank, they do not care. They don't realize the, the power of their investments or the power of their, their dollars. And that this is something, unfortunately, that has played the the African the African American community for a very long time. Our dollar weight, even though we spend the most in the United States, the weight of our dollar is the least in the United States. It probably went uh, less down now with all these uh, loans, right? Like, they could just come out of nowhere with a two trillion dollar. Uh, uh, a bailout or whatever it is that they they doing for you. And they they gave it all right. So they they had a, a two trillion dollar bailout and they gave it all to the the wealthy, as to say, to bail them out. And now some of those wealthy individuals are returning the money because they knew that they shouldn't receive it in the first place. Yeah, shout out but to yeah. I know the Lakers and other uh, companies. Like why would you give the Lakers some money? But right, um, why would the Lakers need money? Or the, the same thing. Like why? Who was the other one that did it? It was um. I forgot. Oh, because it just happened. No, it's recently. this huge restaurant. Yeah, yeah it's these yeah, two yep. huge restaurants that obviously they do not need the money. That's like saying Microsoft got a bailout. Yeah, right. It's ridiculous. Well, you were saying that um, Jordan is getting we kicking him off the corner. I'm kicking him off the corner because of the statements that he made. He his whole thing is he doesn't right. He does not want to be um, involved. In politics, as to say. Now, granted, he did insort, he did, he did support Black Lives Black Lives Matter by just saying or endorsing them and saying that he supported um, what it was that they were doing. But outside of just that one statement, his whole life has been not standing up for the, the people who love him the most, right. the people where he came from. Mm-hmm. And I don't believe, like, I believe that especially if you grew up the way I grew up, if you grew up in the projects, if you grew up in the city and you make it and you make it out, you need to come back home and help those individuals who also want to make it out. Not the ones who don't, but the ones who do. So for instance, LeBron has a school and his school is doing fantastic. He went back and he, he used his finances and when I even when you say his finances, how is he making his money? How did Jordan make his money? Jordan could have continued to to play street ball. 
he was, yes, he was, um, or he is extremely gifted, but that doesn't mean that he is using his power, quote unquote, for good. Because the same way that LeBron went and opened up a school, Jordan could have went and opened up a school. The only reason he is who he is today is because of the community that backed him. The community that went to see his games, the community that buys his shoes, the community that buys his his sneakers and his, his clothing and things of that nature. So to say, if, if you have a candidate or you have a community that needs your help, you should do everything you possibly can to help those who want to be helped and not turn your back on them. Mm. And that's what I believe he does. That's why he needs to get off the corner. Um, and that's why people need to stop supporting him. I'm not mad at that at all. Um, when you brought up LeBron James school, honestly, I forgot about that. And that does, that does weigh heavy on the debate of, you know, the sports icon, because you, mm -hmm. like you said, Muhammad Ali and those paved the way as to how you do it so mm -hmm. it's like the bar has been set already and yeah you might get some backlash like like with lebron james wearing the i can't breathe shirt doing warm-ups and letting the 20 to 26 however many thousands of people are in the attendance read his shirt because if lebron mm -hmm. james is on the court everybody's looking at him or even kaepernick kaepernick lost his he lost his job he lost his main means of of income because he was standing up for inequality yeah and his peaceful protest think about um just a couple days ago we had a group of protesters go into a government building armed and dangerous and they were not respecting the law and they were not respecting um the rules or the police and the regulations and every single one of them went home that day. No one was shot. No one was killed. No one was arrested inside a government building. And then you have Kaepernick who is kneeling because people are dying and everyone is hating on him. He lost his job. He, I mean, granted, he's, he's won lawsuits, but he should, it shouldn't have even gotten to a lawsuit. Right. Lucky, lucky for LeBron, the NBA, you know, like he is the yeah. face of he is the face of it. Yeah. You know? So mm -hmm. the, the NBA, like their 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 cable deal, like a lot of things that they do is based around LeBron. So um, mm -hmm. he's able to um, get away with things like that. And I and I always believe that if Cap was somebody of a higher stance, to me, um, they probably would have handled it differently. But then again, football is. Football is just run differently by a bunch of different. No, no, you're people. absolutely sure. If it was Tom Brady. If Tom Brady kneeled and said and stood by the people, even though they weren't of the, the same complexion as him, they weren't going to get rid of Tom Brady. That's their poster child. Mm -hmm. yeah. But because he, he wasn't supported by those particular people, then he, he was run off the field and <laughs> they attempted to disgrace a legacy that cannot be disgraced. He's done so much. Even this year, even though he doesn't have a, a job or whatever, he's still putting um, food packages together for people in different communities. He's still going out there and, and helping people during the crisis that we're in now. So he, in my mind, would be a champion for the people. Right. Once, once you become a, a champion to the people, you're undeniable. And I think we had that conversation um, on my other podcast where... You got the like the Allen Iverson, Westbrook, Isaiah Thomas comparison to where mm -hmm. Westbrook 
is athletically better than Iverson and Isaiah Thomas. Isaiah mm-hmm. Thomas is the better player, like, to me. But the people's mm-hmm. champ is Allen Iverson. You know, you get what I'm mm-hmm. saying? So people, no, will, I know exactly what you people, mean. People will always say Iverson is the number two, number three best guard, two guard ever behind Jordan and Kobe. Um, like some people put Wade, some people put Iverson. But people, no matter how more athletic, no matter how more, you know what I mean, skilled players get, because Allen Iverson has the people, he's always going to be their champ. You know what people forget about Allen Iverson? They so the NBA at one point in time when Allen Iverson first started, everybody in his community ate. Everybody, he brought his hairdresser to the stadium with him to get his hair braided. While they were whether it was a practice or a game, and his mom, everyone knew. Okay, everyone like he he fed everyone. Every and now granted, I think that he you know people forget you need financial advisors. They are there for a reason. If you do not know what you were doing with your finances, and after a, a certain amount of money. Um, if you do not have a financial advisor, Uncle Sam is coming for you. I found out today, like, there's so many artists and, and um, athletes that are completely broke because they did not have one. So please, if you don't have a financial advisor, get one. But I digress. My point is, Allen Iverson, um, he came, he he supported his community throughout his entire NBA career. Um, a lot of people got exposure that they would have never received if it was not for him. And he was constantly giving back to the people. Mm. To me, that's what made him the champion of the people. If if it wasn't for him, the NBA wouldn't have went through their whole you have to wear suits phase because he was the one who started coming in with the the do-rags and the the baggy... Looking like the people. Looking like the people. And then the NBA didn't like that at a particular <laughs> point in time, and they changed their rules. Yeah. <laughs> but it's it's simple things like that. Like He had a, a lot of, of community love and community support, and he will always be one of the greatest to me. As a matter of fact, I know he, he is my, my little brother's favorite basketball player of all time. Shout out to, to Zeke. And it won't change. So, the block is hot. Tell me more. The block is hot. I'm going to go with um, a person that is near and dear to me. She needs some some accolades. Her name is Marie Nugent, mm-hmm. and she is the president and co-founder or president and founder of Lead with Love International. You can find her online and also on Facebook as well. I'm going to say it again. Lead with Love International. And she is leading the way to a heart-centered mindset in all aspects of life. What she does is she helps businesses like myself, holistic-run business businesses, to thrive. Um, she helps people have a better mindset. She is a, a she is a massage therapist and teacher. She is a good lord. She knows every form of whether it's it's Reiki or meditation or. She's been in this business for like 20 years and she's been very, very successful. And now she is trying to assist other businesses like mine be as successful as she is. And I love her because once again, going back to what we were discussing, she made her money and she came back to get us. 
And there's so many different things that I may not know and she already has experience with. And it's not just me per se, it's others. When you run a holistic business, um, it's you, you don't necessarily fit into um, the, the business world per se, where we're all about love and, and continuation. And um, when I say continuation, I'm, I'm talking about of, of energy and, and peace. The normal businesses are about money. And that's it. And they're their bottom line. We try to help people and, and give them a, a reason for what it is that they're doing. Mm. So when she opened Lead with Love, I, I was just enthralled because I had no idea that it was going to get the reception that it, that it did and that she was going to be able to help as many people as she is helping. So a lot of the things that she gives people are free. She does have courses that are... Um, I'm not going to, she does have paid courses, but the majority of things that you actually need, she gives to you for free. Okay. Um, and once again, you can find her, her Facebook on lead with love international, um, on, on Facebook. Nice. So how was it? I know you said you was a little nervous, but, um, how was the show? Cause this is a wrap. It's now. been years and I'm still nervous. <laughs> <laughs> I think we did great. I think we did good, but I'm still nervous. So we'll see. <laughs> okay. We'll see how I feel in, in, in a week. I'm probably still going to be nervous. I have to do these virtual workshops, and I don't know how I'm going to get through it. <laughs> However, I mean, I'm pretty sure you have your ways of preparing. I do have my ways of preparing. I'm going to sage. Mm, talk that sage stuff. <laughs> but um, so, yeah, man. Thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate uh, it. Thanks, thanks. I for, really appreciate everything that you do. Yeah, thank. Hey, man, I appreciate it. Thanks, thanks for coming on. Tell them one more time the dates and where they can find it at. Okay, so one more time, it's a life transition of free preparation workshop. It's from May 11th to May 15th. You can find us on Facebook. I'm at End of Love and Beyond, or it's our healing path to hurt. And you can find us on the web at endoflifeandbeyond.com. All right. Once again, I appreciate you. This was the Several Hundred Block Podcast, and we out. This week at Macy's, it's full-on fall, and we're so ready for it with the latest trends for cool and crisp weather ahead. Chic black and white styles will be your go-to. Classic plaids feel bold and put together, and so many bright hues add that extra pop to any look. Plus, you won't want to miss new arrivals from your favorite brands like Ink, Calvin Klein, Tommy Hilfiger, and more. Now at Macy's. And Star Rewards members earn on every purchase except gift cards, services, and fees. More info at Macy's.com slash Star Rewards. This week at Macy's, it's full-on fall, and we're so ready for it with the latest trends for cool and crisp weather ahead. Chic black and white styles will be your go-to. Classic plaids feel bold and put together, and so many bright hues add that extra pop to any look. Plus, you won't want to miss new arrivals from your favorite brands like Ink, Calvin Klein, Tommy Hilfiger, and more. Now at Macy's. And Star Rewards members earn on every purchase except gift cards, services, and fees. More info at Macy's.com slash Star Rewards.